reached the offices of Greg Johnson, unlicensed, unprofessional, non-counsel, professional person. How can I help you today? Hey, Greg. Um, this is Denny Taylor, LPC. I believe we've spoken before. Ah, yes, Denny, of course. The uh, therapist that recommended movies I watch because I'm broke as shit. Yeah, yeah. And I just gave myself a dose of my own medicine. Let me tell you. Um, I'm sorry that I thought this could be fixed by watching Captain Fantastic because there's this fucking guy, okay? Get this. Hmm. Cy Abelman. Ruining my life. Ruining my goddamn life. Abelman? Yeah, Cy Abelman. Cy Abelman is ruining my life. And well, I was shocked to find that Captain Fantastic didn't help at all. Like, completely fucking useless. My bad on that one, man. Well, let's not play the blame game, Denny. Um, have you thought about maybe talking to somebody? I assume you can afford therapy. You know, um, you know what happens when we assume. Tell me. You uh, make an ass out of yourself because you can't afford therapy. <laughs> That's what I hear. You should go see the Rabbi Marshak. Fuck! <laughs> He's thinking. Right. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. We're back. Welcome to Movies for When. And we're still unable to afford therapy. Boy, are we. We joke, but that was a legit season of my life when I was a therapist but couldn't afford therapy. Uh, I call it the early stages of my career, and it was a very paradoxical time. And the movie we're covering today helped me get through it. Oh, man. Like the cook that just... <laughs> I'm not allowed to eat any of this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the starving cook. That's The starving That chef. was my archetype. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. All right. Well, this is our final movie. We're, as we said last week, making up for Denny's mishandling misjudgment of uh his memory of captain fantastic so he has made up a pick that was going to go in the poll but we're in control we have the real power here so we're just going to go ahead and watch and discuss the coen brothers film a serious man Woo! we love it the, the movie i'm Denny. so excited yeah this is the one you wanted to pick yeah yeah oh dude this one like there was because uh, i'd actually only seen it once before and so I was a little scared it was going to be a, like a repeat of the Captain Fantastic situation because now maybe I don't trust myself as much from memory. But uh, I was pretty confident that this was a badass flick. I was pretty confident that we were going to have a good discussion about it. And uh, I still am. So let's have Hell that yeah. discussion after... After? We share what we've been watching. Everyone's favorite segment of the show. Mm, indeed yeah well if you can't trust yourself you can trust joel and ethan cohen the other yes. things i watched besides the cohen brothers film i'll go first that's cool i watched uh beginners i don't know if you've seen or heard of that one ewan mcgregor no christopher Plummer. um basically ewan mcgregor's dad after his wife passes away after 44 years of marriage comes out as gay and shortly after finds out he has uh, terminal cancer as well so the movie kind of goes back and forth after his death and is about ewan mcgregor's like memory of him his childhood the brief time where his dad was out but dying and like 
all of the memories of that and all the emotions that come with it. It's a really good movie. And I gotta say, uh, has one of the best dog performances I've ever seen. So, it's Ooh. it's a very charming and accessible movie. It's not as, you know, it's not a real tearjerker, but it is, you know, a very emotional film, I guess. Yeah, man. Sounds salient. <sighs> it was great. Christopher Plummer won his Oscar won an Oscar for his performance, and I think he very much deserved it. Um, the other thing we watched is on HBO Max. I don't know if it was like an HBO original movie, but see how they run. I've it's heard a, of that. Yeah, it's a murder mystery. It's got Adrian Brody as a minor character. Suri's Ronan, who was uh, Lady Bird. And Ooh. shoot, what's the guy from Sam Rockwell. Oh! Uh, as you, a, that's oh, all yeah. you had to say! <laughs> He's doing a British accent, though. It's pretty funny. I, I, it was a really fun uh, movie. Ronan is very funny. It's it's a charming good time. It's it's a good time. It's great. Even not the best. The mystery itself is fine. It's whatever. But it's a very enjoyable. Well worth your time. Check it out. Nice. Uh, we started watching a new show. Uh, we are still working on season two of White Lotus and um, catching up on The Last of Us. We started a new show, though. Under the Banner of Heaven, which is mm. something I've known about for a while. Never got around to watching it. Um, it's a little bit too heavy to, like, binge. My wife really likes it, though. <laughs> it's um, Andrew Garfield is a uh, police detective in Salt Lake City. It's uh, He's a homicide detective, and there has been a murder in a very prolific family within the mormon community and the detective is also mormon and it's just uncovering a whole bunch of dark stuff it's very gripping it's very good it's just like i said a little bit too heavy to binge really yeah it's good though yeah it sounds it's like on my hulu. type of thing oh yeah it's it's good it's on hulu i recommend it for anybody i think it was yeah it was an fx show um i love mormons th- i don't know why I love Mormons. Very general blanket statement. I I don't know enough. The ones I've met, though, all been pretty great. Um, I grew up around a lot of Mormons, so they got a special place in my heart. Hmm, okay. Yeah, we only had, like, a few that I like, went to high school with, so... Weren't really part of the uh, landscape for hmm. me, I guess. Um, the last thing I watched, another movie that just... It was in theaters. I'm trying to catch up on 2022 movies... Uh, especially like for our Oscar episode. So this one only was nominated for cinematography uh, from Roger Deakins, who is also the cinematographer for A Serious Man, which we're covering today. Empire of Light, which is that uh, movie. It's It just got put on HBO Max. It's about a movie theater in uh, early 80s England, like the south coast of England. Cool. It's totally fine. I don't know. Oh, it's, <laughs> wait. I saw the trailer for that, and I was yeah. like, I want to want to see this, but I kind of don't. Yes. That I... Wow. Perfect summation of my expectations going into it <laughs> after watching the trailer also. Because it, yeah. it played before like a lot of movies um, a few months before it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a movie about movie magic that doesn't really contain any of its own that's what it looked like yeah from the trailer that's what it looked like there's a scene where like the the 
male lead is like up in the projector room and he's like he's been working at the theater for like a few months already he's like been in the it's his first time in the projector room but he's like seen a lot of movies he spends a lot of the time during the film like talking about movies he likes so he's like he's a film nerd kind of guy and then the projectionist is like as if he's preaching to us the audience explaining how film projection works and the magic of cinema and the guy that he's just acting like he's never seen a movie before he's like wow (laughs) (laughs) so it's actually just a bunch of little pictures i'm sorry (laughs) slow down (laughs) this thing shoots light out of it that's not really happening up on the screen right there no it's shattering my entire universe right now like i get it i like movies too i don't need to be told (laughs) that movies are cool like i agree yeah so maybe a little preaching to the choir i I don't know it was fine though it looked great looked terrific olivia coleman was really good as always so i i don't know i have a hard time recommending it (laughs) like you said you you were like i wish i wanted to watch that I was feeling. Yeah. I wish I wanted to keep watching it as I as I was watching. Because <laughs> well, that's how I felt in the trailer. I was like, "Ooh, movies about movies." You know, like that's that's my shit. We haven't had one of those in a while. Think... And then the trailer kept going. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. The problem was, it was the trailer was coming out in theaters, and it was played at the end of the trailer for the fablemans which is a movie about steven spielberg making movies and the trailer for babylon which is the story of like old hollywood and making movies it's like jesus christ i don't need a third movie about making movies like let me get to the menu please i'm trying to watch that yeah it was very tonally inconsistent the i'm reviewing the trailer right now um (laughs) Uh, it was very tonally inconsistent with the movies I went to see as well. Like, I was yeah. ready to, like, have fun, and it was like, what about a slow-ash British drama about the beauty <laughs> of projectionism? And I was like, hmm. Like you said, let's get to the menu. This is not what I'm here <laughs> for. Yeah. The menu or the menu trailer, which was also coming out a lot at the time. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't play that thing before the menu. God, did they love the menu's trailer. I wish America loved the menu as much as cinema marketing loved its trailer. Like, mm. <laughs> that's, that's what should have happened. That's right. Um, well, that's that's all I've got right now. Uh, what else have you been watching? I know you said, like, 30 things last week. Yeah, I said, like, 30 things last week, and it's been two days... Um, since we recorded that and i've done pretty much nothing but play in 64 the whole time and i nice when i say i've done pretty much nothing but that i don't mean to say that's most of what i've done i mean to say i really haven't done anything else since the last time greg and i recorded um getting pretty <laughs> far doctorina, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's good so i think the but day I... oh yeah you do have something sorry i i had one thing but finish what you were gonna say uh in in the vein of uh video games i think soon the day after we recorded i want to say or the day we did record they had the nintendo direct where they announced like hey all these original game boy games you can play them on the switch now they're available now go get it now (laughs) yeah i want to see like game boy and game boy advance games uh i need to get my subscription back so i can play some of those hell yeah dog so, so I can play games with you. Um, 
But I was I was kicking myself because I forgot this. And yeah, get online with me, bro. Give me that friend code. Um, I forgot this. I watched uh, season one of a show that's future is in jeopardy right now. Um, I watched Koala Man. You ever heard of it? I haven't, which is probably why it's future is in jeopardy. Well, its future is in jeopardy because its executive producer is Schmushman Schmoyland. Oh! Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping that his role as EP was not crucial because it is a <laughs> it is a really really fun show. It's a it's an adult animation um, about a regular uh, regular oh. Australian guy who is a self-appointed neighborhood vigilante without any superpowers named Koala Man. Um, and it's so fun. And dude, it sounds like such an ordinary premise. Much like uh, Community, but a lot faster. It becomes a very unhinged reality really, really, really fast. Okay, um, there, There is some absolutely bonkers shit going on in that show, and it's really, really fun. Um, it kind of hits you out of nowhere. Basically, like, you just assume they're in the normal world like us, and then a couple episodes in, someone gives you some backstory on what's going on in the world, and you're like, Jesus Christ! So... Australia's <laughs> fairly untouched, but <laughs> it's uh it's hilarious. It's it's out there um and it's irreverent and a really good time. So I really hope that uh someone else puts up some money for it after uh I'm sure uh Justin Royland is fired now. Um and I hope the show continues because I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah. hope so too. I was I was looking at the cast. I see Hugh Jackman plays somebody named Big Greg, so I'm all about yes. that. Yeah. And uh Sarah Snook is in it. She's in Succession. I yeah. just, like I only know I've only seen her in Succession, so it's it's cool to see her in other places. That's fun. And we've got uh Jermaine Clement in the mix too. Jermaine's there. Awesome. It's always good when he shows up. Does he say Big Greg? Um I think he does. Oh. I'll get a kick I'm out sure, of that. I'm for sure, sure he says it at some point in the season. <laughs> so highly It'll be the highlight. Koala It'll be the highlight man. for my watch. Yeah, Koala yeah. Man, folks. Big Greg. Oh, love it. All right, that was a much shorter time than last week. Um, yes. Are we ready to dive into a serious man? I think I am, Greg. Where can Excellent. we watch a serious man? Well, mine was only an amazon rental it didn't even seem like it was on any specific streaming platform it seemed like mm -hmm. that was really the only way to get it is to rent it from uh someplace uh, yep. uh, whether that's amazon or itunes or what have you yep i rented that shit on amazon and gave the money to jeff bezos so <laughs> he can like... build an elysium <laughs> and i can be left on earth yeah i can fight robots with matt damon but at least i got to watch a coen brothers movie which honestly, at least <laughs> do i want to be in the elysium or do i want to watch coen brothers and die mm. i'll take coen brothers and die any day of the week i i saw how it worked <laughs> out on wally okay <laughs> netflix and chill babe no it's this week it's coen brothers and die oh uh, cool <laughs> A that serious rocks. man and rigor mortis. You have no idea how chill it will get. 
a serious mental health issue. Uh, <laughs> hey. yeah. More on that later. Uh, yeah. Did I say it was from 2009? It's from 2009. Um, cool. Before we uh, talk about how we know the movie, I would like to give you a Critiker review of the week. Yay! New gimmick! Edition <laughs> 2. Edition 2 of the new gimmick. Um, this one isn't as funny as the last one. I think this is just like a perfect summary of how I felt about the movie. I scrolled through a lot of them. There wasn't really any um, anyone saying like anything super funny or anything. It's all like either praise or people that just straight up didn't get it or like I want to get it. It's just not for me. So, but it was it aired mostly positive. But mm -hmm. this guy said it was a gas. Once again, the common man is knocked from pillar to post by forces unseen and unknown. It is sort of like watching a pathetic animal being tortured and probed while more and more children gather around to delight in its predicament. <laughs> never, in your, never in your life would you think it's possible for such cosmic sadism to be so appealing. <laughs> it, it continues to baffle me how the Coen somehow managed this theme with such finesse and nihilistic splendor. <sighs> Just look at that parking lot, Larry. Nine out of ten. God. Finesse and nihilistic splendor should be the tagline of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then people listen to it and they're like, where's the finesse? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about finesse. When it's there, you don't notice it. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how seamless these edits are. They're seamless edits you don't notice all the time. Oh. And we're back. Great. Great. <laughs> <laughs> joke is it wasn't a cut uh <laughs> all right um how do you know a serious man denny i think you mentioned before you've only seen it once yeah um years back i want to say 2018 maybe 2019 at the latest um i was just picking movies to watch and i was like oh shit i haven't cleared out the coen brothers catalog so i watched inside lou and davis and i really Ooh. enjoyed it and I was like, what other lesser-known Coen Brothers movies are there? Threw on A Serious Man, and it had a serious, lasting impact on me um, that that stood for years. I, I think I said last week <laughs> that uh, I think about what I learned from this movie at least once a week. Um, and I know I'm prone to hyperbola. Uh, hyperbole? Did I say it right? Hyperbole hyperbole there we go um i don't know why you've, i couldn't get that. you've never said that word correctly once in your life you're the worst at saying that word wait till that's you hear an how example. i say dynasty uh <laughs> oh shit that was an example of hyperbole this is english lessons with greg all right then nice. uh, um but I, i'm being legitimate when i fit when i say like very very regularly the lesson from this movie sticks with me and as part of my relationship with it i'll give uh just like some background on me and why this movie hits me this way because shoot vanessa's vanessa's very different from me and uh we just watched this movie and she wasn't feeling it um and i think it's the more we talked about it it's because she already understood the lesson so there was nothing particularly profound about it to her um for me, I am a really, really, really rigid thinker. Um, my mind works in a very concrete way. Um, I'm always looking for objective truth. 
Um, and I'm always like, uh, I'll, I'll get obsessed and I'll ruminate on stuff. Um, and it's a personal hell. Like this is bad for my mental health and I'm, I'm working on it in therapy right now. Um, just cause like, but somewhere in my mind, I'm like, there's a right way to think about this. And if I just think about it right, then I'll know how to solve the problem. And so I'll mm -hmm. get obsessed. Um, and this movie basically sits down in front of me and says, no, there's not. And you'll never think about it the right way. And you'll never get what you're chasing after. Mm -hmm. And I know this is hard for you, but you needed to hear it. Um, is essentially what my relationship with this movie is like. Uh, what about you? Damn. Well said. Yeah. Um, I feel like I, I have a similar mindset most times. I don't think I'm as intense about seeking out the answers, but I'll... I'll talk about the search when I'm talking about old Larry Gopnik here in a little while. But um, I first watched this movie when it was new. I didn't see it in theaters, but like, I think it, it must have come out like early 09. I watched it in college, so I was like just out of high school. Um, and I had just come off of watching No Country for Old Men. And I was like, wow, like I... I only knew the Coens from like the Big Lebowski and Oh Brother Where Art Thou and No Country mm -hmm. for Old Men. So I was like, what do they have next? In this movie, I didn't know a thing about it. And it just really took me by surprise. And I was like, somewhere in the middle on it, I was like, maybe I thought it maybe was a little bit too abstract or unsatisfying, that kind of thing. But something like i recognize the quality of it and it's really stuck with me since i saw it and i've seen it maybe three or four more times but it's in it's been maybe like five or six years since i watched it last and for whatever reason this time watching through it it like really clicked with me a lot more yeah so i was yeah i was really happy to like finally connect with it and like really revere it as one of the better coen brothers movies Fuck yeah i'm really happy to hear that it's it's easily top three Coen Brothers for me. I don't know if that's true. They're so, <laughs> good. They're so good. Um, it's one. You got to look at the ones. list. Yeah, you got to look at the list before you make a statement yeah. like that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into uh, the summary of the movie, Denny. If you want to synopsize the movie you selected. Absolutely. Our main character, Larry, is a physics professor um, who is going through a lot of shit. Um, his wife is leaving him, uh, for, for, for Cy Abelman. Uh, his son is smoking the reefer and getting his, uh, radio taken from him at school. His daughter wants to wash her hair. Uh, his brother, Richard Kahn? Brother, yeah. Brother, um, mm -hmm. has a cyst and he's always in the bathroom. And things just keep getting worse and worse for Larry, um, and so Larry starts seeking guidance and starts seeking some clarity, um, from his spiritual guides, uh, and his lawyer. Um, and, um, they keep telling him, you want to talk to this guy, Marshak. Um, and, uh, he's the, he's the wisest rabbi in the world. Um, and, uh, Larry never gets to talk to him, but his son does, uh, and the rabbi just quotes his son's lyrics to him and gives him back his radio, and his advice is, try to be a good boy. Um, and, uh, Larry receives a 
bribed to raise a student's failing grade. Um, he gets harassed about it. And uh, he finally changes the grade. And he's not sure if he's going to get tenure or not. And then um, a tornado is rolling in and the movie just kind of ends that way. And I have, um, I have a lot to say about the meta narrative that is going on here and what the actual story of the film is. But uh, temporally and linearly, those are the events of the story. Um, and you probably heard that and thought, what the fuck is that about? Well, we'll tell you what the fuck is that about in a few moments here. But first, we have brought in an outside perspective, a dissenting voice, producer and savior of the show, Vanessa Taylor, who already embraces ambivalence and didn't need this movie. Um, I don't, I feel like that's, that's a lot to say that like, I don't know, that makes you feel like... I don't know, like, mm, I didn't need this movie and I didn't get anything from it. I wouldn't say that that's true. Um, I I would say that I was... There were points in this movie that was hard for me to connect with. Um, I found myself struggling to connect with really many of our characters. I think the son was maybe the one that I, like, connected with the most. I was most interested in his little side story. Um... But yeah, it was, it was hard to, and, and I've seen a fair amount of Coen Brother movies with you and also on my own, Oh Brother Art Thou is one of my family's like favorite movies. We really, really enjoy it. I've, I've seen it multiple times throughout my life. Honestly, not as an adult though, I don't think. Maybe, I haven't watched it since college. Yeah, I, I think maybe I watched it in college once. We should, we should, we should do that sometime, guys. Overdue. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, but I, I really like that movie a lot. Uh, this one... To me, like, once we sat down and had a conversation afterwards, um, I, I very much understood your perspective, and I think that helped me put other things into perspective of, like, okay, I, I see that. I really liked the nods to, like, the little moments of it's okay to not know things. Um, but but I, I will say that I, I think in our relationship, that's that is a lot of, like, where we, while we are very, very similar in a lot of ways, I think our perspective on life is also very different in that, that I, I am much more comfortable embracing the ambiguity. And I think part of that is both, like, just how I lived my life and things like that versus, um, like, your family of origin and stuff like that. Like, yeah. you know, I don't know. My family is a weird mix of, like, rigid stuff and also a lot of ambiguity. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's, so I think... Not that I didn't need to learn anything from it, but I'm I'm a lot more comfortable in that gray space than you are, and yeah. so yeah, I, I think there was like some of that that I just didn't I didn't relate to our uh, to our main character Larry very much at all, and so I I felt myself like at the end I was like okay, so what you know like why why did I watch this movie like why did I spend these hours or hour and a half whatever it is watching this movie because I was kind of already there with him at that point. But then, you know, again, like, after our conversation, I think it gave me a lot more insight into why this is meaningful to you and gave me a lot more perspective. Like, I didn't dislike this movie. I like the Coen brothers. I like the um, the way that they sprinkled the ambiguity and kind of were setting that up for us, like, even from the beginning with the weird side story of, like, old-timey Russia or wherever we were, um, you know, with the the rabbi who might have 
we have no idea what happened to him and just kind of setting it up for that of we aren't going to get an ending Mm -hmm. to these stories but these stories are valuable because of their like role-less stories i also think ooh, i just thought about this as well one of my minors in undergrad was like oral histories and oral stories and like the the art of that and i think that's very very common outside of like the western world are these kind of ambiguous stories that it's not the moral of the story is not the point i think in like western storytelling there's like what was the point of the story here's this overarching theme here's what we're supposed to learn from it and that's the takeaway but that itself is the takeaway you could have told any story to get that takeaway we just give it you know like cinderella because it's fun and it's engaging for kids but so many other like at least in my experience i don't want to speak for a lot of other cultures but like in in my in my experience with other like art forms and cultural like storytelling and things like that the story itself the journey that it goes on is the point not necessarily the ending that it's not like the moral of the story is this it is the story itself and the journey that we went on and your feeling while you listen to the story is more of the point than the story or the end result of that story because it might be ambiguous in and of itself yeah so this wasn't like the first time you've encountered media like this so maybe it wasn't so powerful to you yeah okay Okay. exactly again i wasn't like i didn't like it or like was like "Ah, fuck this movie it was terrible um but i i think it was like while i i at least i'm i'm getting the sense that it was like really profound for you because it was new and revelatory yeah um yeah, I think that was maybe where we differed a little bit in our experience of it. Yeah, and this is just one of the many ways in which Vanessa is superior to me. So I, teach you know me what? your ways, Vanessa. <laughs> teach me your ways. Yeah. We could all stand to learn a little bit more. Um, yeah, well said. I like, I don't know, even though your take differs from mine, I like how you laid it out. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah thanks, yeah. baby. Yeah, 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 but it's not like I didn't need to, like, I don't know. It wasn't well, like I'm, you, like, superior from this movie. No, it's not that mm-hmm. you didn't need to learn the lesson. It's that you had already learned it. Yeah. You needed to learn it, and you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. I need yeah. to learn it, and I'm trying. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're we're in very different places with this lesson. And I'm glad I heard, like, Vanessa's perspective on, like, what constitutes a story for, you know for different cultures is the example she used but like what even is a story and this kind of plays like the goy's teeth with the engravings you know it's mm-hmm. just like here's a story of here's the story of a man and a serious man is a story of a man who's trying to be a serious man and all of life's hardships just get thrown at him over the course of a couple weeks or whatever mm-hmm. and that's it it's not and then after all that, he does this. And then because of that, he learns that. It's just kind of like a look into the life of a man. And we're just, you know, along for the ride. It's it's a different method of storytelling that, like Vanessa said, I think is kind of the main thing is our culture, especially like Western society, isn't really used to. Yeah. And, I think and that's I where think... I was in, like, the first time I saw it, I think I was in the same place mm-hmm. as theirs, just being like, but without that perspective, I was just like a little bit more, I was wanting a little bit more conclusion, I guess. Mm-hmm. But now I understand. But, and I even think too, this this is something that I was thinking with our main character, Larry, is like, 
in some ways he's so fine with the ambiguity and not having answers like in his own life it's like to these bigger questions he wants to know those things because yeah. like if you think about sorry is it okay i'm getting into like plot and stuff Go now um but if you think about like with him and his wife you know he goes through these like what would be crises and are crises for him but then they just have this resolution you know like his wife is judith is about to divorce him they're going through those proceedings and things like that um and spoiler alert for the entire movie obviously but like Psy just drops <laughs> dead uh and then that kind of resolves itself they don't ever really talk about you know okay our relationship like i was about to leave you they're sitting at the end at their son's bar mitzvah and they're like just collaborating together having a nice lovely moment seeming like maybe their relationship is going to get back on track i mean i guess we don't fully know that or not but it it just seems like he's back in the family they expect him back he's just kind of rolling back into that space while not really thinking too deeply about it mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. he he accepts the ambiguity where it fits for him and rages against the ambiguity when it doesn't work for him and i think that that's another piece to like just another layer of this story of like the point of life is to kind of be okay with the ambiguity not just when it suits us but when we don't understand it either Mm -hmm. um because life on life's terms you know and we're we're active participants in it but we also don't get to be the ones in control all the time you're talking like you like the movie. I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's and, like and, a... and that's what I was saying. Like, I didn't dislike it. My initial reaction was like, ugh. And then as I've, like, talked it with you and things like that, I just, to me, when I, my initial reaction to seeing it was like, okay, so what? And and I do think that there's, like, deeper meanings to it that I, I that's why I was like, I didn't dislike it. I didn't enjoy it as much as you did, but I do like the movie and I like the Coen brothers and I like the depth and like the layers that they put into their films because I think that there's Hmm. ways to pick it apart and ponder it with a lot of different perspectives. That's what I really enjoy about all of their films. Mm -hmm. Cool. Dope take. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like Clive says in the movie, except the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Although he's, he's talking about the mystery of the appearing envelope of cash, but Mm -hmm. as a whole, Except the mystery. Well, it's yeah. a powerful metaphor for what Larry needs to learn. And then we finally see him at the end change the grade and embrace the mystery of it all. Right? Like, he, mm-hmm. he that's, that's a pivotal moment for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see the storm roll in. And he gets a horrible phone call about his x-ray results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or even the second rabbi, you know, like, he kind of held the answers. Mm-hmm. That that whole story about the teeth with the the Hebrew writing on it, you know, like <laughs> the point of that story was not to find out why there was writing. The point of the story was to understand that sometimes we have to accept that we don't get to know the answer to the writing. Yep. And like, yeah. you can either live your entire life sleepless, like the dentist was for a while, like thinking about it, ruminating on the unknown. You really, really trying to find out, searching for those answers in everyone's teeth. Uh, or you can go back to kind of living your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and it was a story about how pain resolves itself mm-hmm. with time. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you just mm-hmm. have this directionless pain and there's nothing you can really do with it and something is just gnawing at you, all you can really do is wait for it to heal. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's you can engage with it in some ways. You can talk about it take perspective i'm getting into a whole thing i wanted to get into and i don't know when i'm going to start getting into it um but (laughs) 
But the reality is that, like, and I found this to be true in my life, that, like, some of the most damaging pain I've experienced has just taken some time. Mm. You know, like, it's just, like, at a certain point it was long enough ago that it doesn't even seem relevant for me to be upset about it anymore. So I ask myself, why do I still care? Right? Like, yeah. And I think that's the difference between, like, Dr. Sussman, who was the dentist, and Larry sat in the same office. They're getting the same advice from the same person. Dr. Sussman brings it to him, this this prolonged pain that he's going through. And the rabbi just says, hey, maybe it means this. Maybe it means that. Depends on how you kind of take it. Maybe it means you should uh, help people whenever possible. And Sussman's like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do that. And that's he's allowed that to kind of be done and he's the it's concluded and now his healing can kind of begin and he can get back to life like you were saying yeah um larry on the other hand is uh not satisfied <laughs> still yeah. demanding answers when and and i think like that's that's a point that i was gonna bring up to you or like very similar as well as like you got through those things not just because of time, but because you went on with your life. Mm -hmm. Like, they could still be there with you, and you're letting yourself mm -hmm. be affected by those questions, but you're not stalled. Like, like that's how Larry starts to get through this, is by, like, continuing to live his life. And that's how Sussman and, and all of those people as well, like, like you're saying, you grow around those queries and stuff, mm -hmm. and, and eventually you're like, okay while this felt like one of the most important questions in my life or things that needed to be resolved, the act of living life has led me to know that that's not as important anymore because yeah. my life is in a different place and I'm a different person because I'm continuing to grow. Yeah. Well, I had a breakdown I wanted to give. It's, it's literally all my notes are. Um, it's this and the gimmicks because I was tracking... <laughs> um, excuse me, burp. Um... I was tracking what I would call the real narrative of the movie. And so for me to understand the real narrative of the movie, you don't need to ask what is happening on the screen. You need to ask what is Larry seeking and what is he finding? That's where the changes happen in the yeah. narrative. And so I wanted to break down this, this structure that I really think is a masterpiece. Um, so the first one is, uh, when he first wants to seek an end to his pain, he wants to know what to do, how to handle this right. He goes to the first rabbi, and he is told, change your perspective. What's happening is not bad, and there's also the implication that there's a right perspective to take. You just need to start seeing God in everything. You're looking at the world wrong. Um, there's another way to engage with this that'll make it less painful. Then immediately in the next scene, his lawyer, like, Larry tries to take the perspective when he's trying to talk to his lawyer. And his lawyer's like, what are you talking about? This is terrible. What's happening is bad. Um, which, which knocks Larry down a peg and returns him to his original reaction, right? Um, so finally he goes to the second rabbi who basically tells him, you need to embrace not knowing and accept things at face value. Pain resolves itself with time. Um, and, yeah, I don't know, try to help people. Um, Larry doesn't like any part of that other than try to help people. Um, and that's what you see him doing the rest of the movie. He's taking the part that he likes, and he's ignoring the part that's challenging for him. So after mm -hmm. his second rabbi, he goes to his second visit to the same lawyer, um, and the lawyer basically tells him, 
Don't worry about doing what's right or helping people. Protect yourself. Don't pay for Cy Abelman's funeral. Um, set up a separate banking account. Um, don't let your wife have any more of your money. Um, and Larry just breaks down crying. Um, and so the lawyer sees that Larry is not capable of this, the advice that he's giving him. So he sends him to the third rabbi, the rule of threes, right? Like this is going to mm. be the big rabbi that pays everything off. Um, but Larry has this dream in between um, about the uncertainty principle um, where basically it's a mathematical equation that says we can never really know what's going on. And then he tells everyone, but you have to know it for the midterm, which I just love that contradiction. Um, mm -hmm. But the ghost of Psy in his dream just starts beating the shit out of him and basically is screaming at him, you must get certainty. Go talk to Rabbi Marshak. Like, it's like built up as this huge thing. Um, and then we have this like temptation Bathsheba thing. And this is the most human part of the movie. Um, his neighbor that he goes to fuck um, he says he's there to help others, but that's not true. He's there to indulge in his sensory desires and numb himself. Um, he numbs himself with sex and drugs um, and just wants to believe his problems aren't real. And man, that's what that's what rabbi or rabbis, that's what people do. And here he's basically going back to the first rabbi's advice. Take a different perspective. Broaden your mind. Even the way he's looking at the cup while he's high is 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 showing him taking perspective. He goes to his third lawyer visit, and at this point, every expert he's talked to has referred him to an even better expert. But he can never seem to get a hold of these even better experts. And finally, the uh, one of the founders of the practice, the, the top dog, best of the best, walks in. And he just has a heart attack. He doesn't help Larry. He just keels over and fucking dies right there. Um, and um, so he's like, fuck this. I'm going to the third rabbi. I'm getting my answers. He shows up, demands to see the rabbi. Um, and he tries to force his way into certainty. And he just gets nothing. He's told the rabbi is busy. He can see him. He's right there. This like golden triumph MacGuffin ass motherfucker that he needs and he's just like told no just told no sorry no one cares about this um Arthur's life falls apart um and like Arthur's telling him like oh my god trying to see God in everything didn't help me at all I can't even play cards anymore to help me deal with how hard this is um and uh then finally we uh, have his son, Danny, who does get to meet the third rabbi, who, again, as I said earlier, gives him the thing that was taken from him by the lower ranking rabbis um, and just tell quotes the lyrics to him and tells him, be a good boy. That's the profound advice we're getting. Um, he's mm -hmm. getting the thing that he was told he should not have that was distracting him from learning all these Jewish traditions that are supposed to be leaned on to help get through challenges like these. And we're seeing Larry lean on the traditions of his people and the stories they've told for generations. And it's just not helping him. We finally see Larry embrace the mystery, change the grade, use the money to pay for his lawyer fees. Um, but then we see a storm rolling in. Larry is still scared of the storm, but his son Danny is listening to his music and facing the storm head on boldly. 
And then those motherfuckers, the Coen brothers, just roll the credits. And I think what the movie is trying to tell us is that life is really hard. Most of it doesn't mean anything. Most of it makes absolutely no sense. Just try to find something that's going to get you through the storm. Because that's what we see Larry doing the whole movie. He is surrounded by a storm. And he's just trying to find something that helps him get through it. And for his son, that seems to be his radio. Right? Like, that seems <laughs> to be what's giving him the courage. He's listening to it while he's facing the storm. Um, and I don't know. Long walk for a short drink of water. I think you have to look at this movie through that lens. Like, what is he seeking and what is he being given instead of just what is happening narratively, linearly, for it to really make sense. And when you look at it in that meta narrative sense, I think it is a brilliant, profound movie that for as much as I love movies and as many of them as I have seen and talked about, I can't really say a lot of them have affected my life. Um, this is one of the ones that did that really made me want to examine the framework of how I interpret the world. Um, and it's done nothing but help me. And But it's hard, and I'm still trying. Um, am, I, am I wearing a tinfoil hat? What do you guys think about my analysis of the movie? I think it's good, and I think it's valid. It's not a perspective that I take while I'm watching the movie. I'll probably, next time I watch it, I'll probably try to take that with me and view it through your lens that you kind of laid out. Um, I like what you said about Danny, like taking, taking what he can to face the storm and what he has is, uh, music from his radio, his Columbia records that he shouldn't have been ordering and F troop, just TV and music. And that's how he's facing <laughs> yep. the storm of his family kind of falling apart around him. Also weed. Danny and I have um, a lot in common. <laughs> <laughs> too like i liked the juxtaposition of like we see that bully chase him home and like never see his face or at least not when he's chasing him and then right at the end the bully is staring at the storm and seems afraid and danny's just kind of listening to his music staring at the bully staring at the storm well and it's like really accentuated when they're like putting all this reverence on these like jewish myths and these jewish traditions mm -hmm. And then you see Danny at a very big day in his Jewish life at his bar mitzvah, and he's just high. He's high off his ass for it. Um, and it, it seems like the movie is, like, really trying to, sh like, simultaneously show, like, reverence and irreverence for the, for the traditions of Judaism. Mm -hmm. Like, it's saying that, like, in some ways these are helpful, but they are not sufficient on their own. Um, you are, you're gonna need to find your own path. What works for other people might not work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and Danny's path seems to be, again, music, television, and weed. Um, it's helping him get through the storm. Um, and he's kind of rejecting the Jewish traditions that his father is embracing so much. And those traditions are failing him. They're failing, Larry. Yeah. You, you had something? Well, and, and, and I even like, I like how they go through the, I, I think that that, like, that is shown visually as well through, like, the three different rabbis. The first one is is the youngest rabbi. He is, you know, like, his desk is pretty much just, um, like, study books and office supplies. Mm -hmm. It's pretty sparse. Like, it's not very, um, like, 
filled with anything. Like, it doesn't tell us about anything about him, and he just keeps going on and on about the fucking parking lot. Mm -hmm. Like, that's his, like, thing that he tells everyone, I'm sure. You know, it's like a young person who gets out of seminary and is like, oh my gosh, I have this enlightened idea Mm -hmm. about how to view the world and this perspective. You know, I think you feel that when you're, like, studying those things and you're so in-depth in it. And then you get along. It's like the, even, you know, think about, like, professors. Like, your 100 professor, your intro to whatever professor, they're, like, so intense. And then you get along and your, like, upperclassmen professors are just like, hey, it's not about that. Like, yeah. it's it's not about that. The second rabbi, he's got more in his office. He's got more insight. He's got more going for him. He's got, you know, like, again. The fancy tea set. Yeah, fancy tea set. So there's, like, some of his personality as well as, like, study and stuff. Like, yeah. And then we go to, we finally see the third rabbi, and it's behind this beautiful, innate, like, door, elaborate paintings, like, it's dark, we see some of the things that he's interested, like, a lot of science stuff, some things that are, like, clearly, um, you know, like, study materials, but not necessarily about, like, the Torah, the Kabbalah, like, in any of those things, or the Kabbalah, I'm not sure, uh, but, like, not necessarily, like, religious texts, but there are religious texts, and there's iconography, and there's all this stuff. And he seems to get it a lot more. Yeah. It's, like, the, these different pieces that, like, along this journey, as we get older in life, we start embracing that ambiguity, like, ambiguity, yeah. understanding that piece, like, and Danny's starting to get it, um, but he's still gonna have to go through this throughout his life. His dad is still on that journey himself, trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, like, it, it says something to, like, the generational aspect that, like, again as the rabbis are progressing in age they're getting more and more ambiguous in their teachings Mm -hmm. right um i'm only 33 i feel old compared to being 23 um i don't think most people who are older than me would say i'm very old you know (laughs) like i'm i'm uh what we saw that tiktok that was like in your 20s you're the adults of the babies but when you're in your 30s you're the babies of the adults um and i think that's where i am but i can say like with my own life story and my own perspective, it really has been a, like, the more I learn, the less I know situation. Yeah. Where I'm like, I used to think you could figure out everything. And mm-hmm. something that my therapist says to me all the time that I really believe is, like, trying to use my brain to understand the universe is like trying to fit the ocean in a teacup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I've just gotten more and more comfortable with, like, accepting the limits of what I can understand, accepting my finiteness, accepting Mm -hmm. that I have a lot of questions that I really want to know the answer to. And I'm going to die without answers to those questions. Like I'm, I'm not gonna, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to know. We're not at a place in our like exploration of the universe as a people that we're legitimately going to get answers to questions like, where did we come from? What's Mm -hmm. out there? Not in our lifetime. Like, and even sorry. if we did get those answers, there would be new questions. Yes. Like, we're we're insatiable in our desire to know things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. I think that I can say that, like, what they seem to be teeing up in the movie, having lived 33 years, has been very true to life for me. Yeah. And, like, the path towards peace has been letting a lot of these, a lot of the neediness of those questions go. You know, like, I I still think it's fun to talk about them. I still think it's interesting, but, like, learning that, like, dude, I don't know. Why don't you focus on what's right in front of you? You have to go to work today. Why are you asking why the universe exists? Right? Like, (laughs) 
just chill out about that shit. But, uh, Greg, you said you watch with a different perspective, and I kind of wanted to hear that. I feel like we've we've kind of dug into this one um, yeah. uh, quite a bit. I want to hear, how does this movie play for you? Uh, differently every time, I think. Like I said, I, I Vanessa wasn't here for it, but I, I watched it when it was relatively new, and then, like, every few years since. But it's been a little while since I've seen it, so... I guess I watch it through kind of the lens of whatever I'm dealing with in life. And I think like you, you, you talked about how this, if you look at it through what is Larry seeking and what does he find? What I got out of this time watching it is just like, he's so awful at seeking. He doesn't know how to ask the questions. (laughs) He's, he's just swimming for a character that I swear, like he says this line maybe five times what's going on he never knows what's happening in his own house (laughs) and nobody's telling him either what's going on nothing fix the channel we still don't have channel four we got seven now but not four yeah it's just like the little f F troop f troop is going to remain fuzzy yeah um and like i don't know it it's first of all it's like beautifully crafted scenes that i think if anyone else did it it would be super annoying but the second he walks through the front door daughter needs something son needs something wife's like you talk to the lawyer you talk to the rabbi no not yet the appointment's monday arthur's in the bathroom still he'll be out in a minute though and then the scene just always ends with him being like what's going on he's just getting hammered from every side so like he, he doesn't even really know what the problem is and he doesn't know how to find out he just he goes to people for advice and he's just like i know it's you know it's not my place to complain, but God, there's just so much going wrong. It all sucks. What's the answer? We didn't really ask a question. You just said things are bad. What does it all mean? Right, are, right. Are, are, are you really even asking anything? I I don't know. He's He's never going to find out what's truly going on. Well, I, I love that perspective, too. I, I talk about that a lot with my clients of like, there's this idea that we can't do anything with our discomfort until we learn from it, until we understand its contours, we see how it takes shape in our lives. Like, you know, we so often we want to grab something that's painful or that's uncomfortable or that we just don't like about ourselves or our situation and we want to throw it away from ourselves. But until we really know it, <clears throat> it's going to keep like boomeranging because some of it is ours to process and maybe not all of it. Some of it might be something that we part with, but if we try to throw it all away, some of it's ours. Like, it has to be. Some of it has to stick with us or else we just keep repeating the same thing. And so I think, like, to that point, that that reminds me a lot of of how I even just, like, bring up topics of of life, of, you know, we want to do something with it, but first we have to understand it. We got to know the question, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't know the question, and he doesn't seem like he really even knows how to find it. (laughs) Well, and that's what's Um, really sticking out to me that I've learned in my life is like how resistant Larry is. Um, another thing I'm saying to myself in my head every day is just like, stop resisting. Um, Cause I can't tell you how easy it is for me to resist literally every single aspect of my day. You know, like the like, Oh, the drive to work. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm here. I've got to turn on all the fucking lights one by one. Oh, opening my email. It's taking way too long to load. Like, I, I really get that way. Um, and it's all about resisting suffering. 
It's all about trying to insulate myself from something I don't like. And what I've learned is if you actually want to decrease your suffering, stop resisting it. Just let the suffering happen to you and trust that it'll be over soon. That's mm-hmm. that's how I make my pain less, is to just try to be like, nope, this feeling that I'm feeling, this negative emotion is not a problem. And I'm not going to try to solve it. I'm just going to let it happen to me. And somewhere between 20 minutes and two days, it'll be over. So I'm just not mm-hmm. going to resist it. I'm just going to let it be here with me. Um, and that motherfucker Larry resists at every single turn. Like, he has decided that there's a clear answer to this problem, even though the universe is telling him, no, there's not. And, again, some of his problems just fucking work themselves out without him doing shit. In fact, almost all of them do. Um, yeah. <laughs> for, for such a passive character, he really crumbles under the first sign of challenge. <laughs> stopped you in mid-flow of what you were saying i apologize oh no i i I had i had finished you're all good um most of my i don't know like a lot of my remaining notes are pretty much all about like the filmmaking itself or like different characters and that kind of thing Um, let's get into that you guys have any anything to add before we go on to that i think we have pretty thoroughly discussed theme yeah Um, i think that's safe to say yeah absolutely and on that note i may head out after FEMA's done. Um, <laughs> she just wanted to give her initial thoughts, but she no, couldn't no, help herself. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> she I got to a good discussion. And I'll just make it longer, so I'm gonna go That's ahead. That's what she said. Um, Boy, does she. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> well, you helped me flesh out some of my own ideas in your discussion, so thank you for joining us for a brief little bit there, Vanessa. Yeah, Producers absolutely. Amazing. I love you guys, and I love the pod. We love yeah. you, too. The All pod right. loves you, too. Yeah. The people love you, too. Oh, thanks, people. All right, bye, y'all. Thanks, Pretty Vanessa. Good. Way to produce and way to save. Thanks for stopping by. I'm sure she'll hear this. I I think she listens to this podcast, but one thing I wanted to build off, she was talking about, like, the different offices of all the rabbi, mm-hmm. and I was really... Like, yes, got it. Because like we discussed in Fargo and No Country for Old Men, just going into like a minor character's office or like where they spend the most time, they have such great detail, both in like set design and like this character would have this like uh, Rabbi Marshak. Of course, he would not only have like religious texts and everything but he would also be like interested in science and um have little just all different things that interest him in his massive dark office mm-hmm. um there's so much detail even in the lawyer's office there's just so much detail of like how these people really live and if you just pause it and look at it and like the way they shoot it it seems like that guy's been sitting in that office doing law work for like six hours already yes absolutely there's just something that makes you feel like this person feels at home where they are. And if you could just, like, pause, like, the way they shoot, like I mentioned before, you get to see, basically, like, you're sitting at the desk looking over all their knickknacks and name badge or whatever. Yeah. Stacks of papers, whatever's on their desk, looking at them. And you could just, like, pause, look around, see what they have, and it just brings such depth like visual depth enriches the character that you're saying so 
I shout out to the Coens for being good at that. The the movie itself has a very lived in feel. Um, even mm-hmm. when we're seeing inside somebody else's house, there's like no part of it that looks like a movie set to me. And even some of the angles of the houses they choose to show, it's just not how you would normally shoot a house in a movie. Kind of like you were saying with the desk shots, right? Like, um, yeah. They give you a very immersed in the 60s feel um, and not in the like uh, uh, 90s, 60s nostalgia sense, you know, in the like, hey, this is a real fully fleshed out world sense. We're not just going to play Vietnam protest songs the whole time uh, in the (laughs) 60s. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it feels lived in. It feels homey. I feel like. I just walked into this neighborhood in the 60s. I'm not entirely sure where this is. I think it's Minnesota. Um, I'm not sure. I'm curious uh, the locations say, like... they shot at because yeah. they got a lot a lot of really big outdoor shots that contributed to the immersion. And usually when you're trying to do a period piece like this, you don't usually put the camera on the roof and shoot the whole neighborhood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like where did they find this like whole neighborhood built that was just completely on theme with what they were trying to do and same with like the schools the offices when they're driving they had so many 60s cars driving around town like they did Mm -hmm. so good at the immersiveness of it yeah and all the everyone's devices the tvs the records down to the clothes like everyone's Arthur and Larry are going to bed wearing full sets of pajamas. (laughs) Stuff like that. And then, like, it doesn't feel like everybody has the same vibe either. Because I think the funniest character to me in the movie, one of the funniest minor characters I've seen in Coen Brothers movie, is Mrs. Samsky, the next-door neighbor. Yeah, she's awesome. She's so... it's, It's the performance. It's the way she's written. It's just... She's so statue, statuesque. Is that how you say something? Well, she's just like a statue, just kind of standing there with just a blank nothing. But you, with what she says and everything, like there is a depth there. She's just kind of like over it. She's fully embracing the life of just numbing herself. And her whole house is this deep red walls. There's beads in the doorway and all that. Yeah, She has the most unique setting and I think most unique um set of characteristics in the movie yeah you know she's very mrs robinson to me um her whole relationship with larry was kind of an age-appropriate version of the graduate i thought um (laughs) and vanessa caught this i didn't catch this this was just a nice little touch because she definitely represents like woman as temptation right like that archetype um Mm -hmm. king daniel is standing on the roof and sees bathsheba bathing and is taken by her beauty David, sorry. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Daniel is the name of Larry's son, Danny. Um, King ah. David, uh, you know, he, he, and then he kills her husband and forces her to marry him because she's so hot, and that's like one of the good guys of the Bible. Not my place to comment, but um, but Larry is standing on the roof and sees her sunbathing. Um, I just thought mm-hmm. that was a nice little. Uh, a further inclusion of the the Jewish lore, so to speak, because um, yeah. it's all about these old Jewish stories, and anyone who grew up hearing that story, like Vanessa did, um, you know, would would catch that immediately. He's like, oh yeah, she, he sees her sunbathing from the rooftop. That's David and Bathsheba, 
just fucking mm-hmm. awesome, man. Just fucking awesome stuff. Yeah, I, I know they like for Oh Brother Where Art Thou. They based it on the Odyssey, but they didn't like study it or anything. They're just like based on what we think we remember about the Odyssey. <laughs> here's the movie we wrote, and I wonder like how many of the biblical um, stories they're trying to like maybe not pay homage to or like draw from or even mm-hmm. like um how many of those did they like really like did they read the whole book of job because that's the comparison that gets made a lot i, oh, I i'm not sure shit. if they like i'm not sure if they were like trying to do like a 60s modern retelling of the story of job or what that's just that's the take a lot of people seem to have and knowing the Coens, they probably just kind of know the story offhand and just made a made the character their own way based on what they kind of knew. Well, and then I mean, put in... They, they had to do a lot more research because it is a very religious-based set of characters. You know, the whole thing is set in deep Judaism and uh, Lauren, like you were saying, so... Well, I'd have to assume that being Jewish, so much of these myths and stories are just in their bones. You know, like that they they mm. wouldn't they they would just it would come out in their writing no matter what because it's part of who they are, right? And part of how they see yeah. the world. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I hadn't thought about it like that. I guess I, don't I, know. I, I we forgot. should ask them. <laughs> we should ask them. Come on the show, Cohen Brothers. You're welcome anytime. Oh my god, best episode ever. Hmm. Yeah, and last week we made fun of the city of Boston. The week before we were making fun of the British. Uh, we will not be making fun of the Jews this week. <laughs> no, we will not. No, we will not. Um, this is an anti-Kanye West space. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, What did you think of Richard Kind's character? I, I think the Mentaculous reminds me of my podcast notes sometimes. but <laughs> It works! He's he's one of my favorite theory works. (laughs) He's great. Uh, He's one of my favorite actors. And I think he he was important to kind of show Larry like, hey, you think you have it bad. Look at me. Like, I have nothing compared to you offering a little bit of perspective. But what what did you think of him? I feel like he was getting beat down almost as much as Larry. Yeah, maybe even more even though so. We, even though we saw it. Yeah, we saw it less, so it didn't feel like it, but you're probably right. Maybe more so. Like, he's going to jail and he lost the thing he loves in life, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, I want to say I love Richard Kind, too. Like, that man is just a treasure. And there's... I, I, I compared him to Gilbert Gottfried when we were watching the movie to Vanessa. Because, like, there's some guys where there's just something special about them. And you can't really nail down what it is. Richard Kind and Gilbert Gottfried are, are those guys. Like, they, they just have a special quality where you like them. Um, yeah, I think his character, you know, that while he's widely there to kind of be part of Larry's story, right, or to add perspective to it. Yeah. Again, what sticks out to me so much about him is uh, when he's, like, talking about how his whole life has fallen apart and trying to see God and things just isn't helping him at all and he thinks it's a stupid idea. Um, Mm -hmm. he's getting carted off to jail for solicitation and sodomy and he's going and I can't even play cards anymore because he got busted for gambling and that's what stood out to me most about that character was simply that you saw him be fine until he lost his thing that helps him through the storm which was playing cards 
and that's when he really broke. He was he was an example of um, a man without a comfort, right? Like a man without a purpose, a man without some reason to get through all the bullshit so you can do the thing you like, and uh, almost a cautionary tale to Larry, I would say. Yeah, and I found myself more empathetic towards him than I did Larry, which yes. I found kind of interesting, even though it obviously, like, Arthur's got it worse, I would say, but yeah. I empathize with him more even though we spend less time with him. I don't know where I land on how I empathize with Larry. Um, it's I like the review... Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, it's like the review I read. It's just like, Cosmic Sade... Never in your life would you think it possible for such cosmic sadism to be so appealing. Like, I don't want these things to be happening to him. I don't want him hurt or anything. And he's crying in the lawyer's office like, oh, it's okay, buddy. But I find myself more, like, upset for the circumstances surrounding Arthur than I am for Larry. I don't know what it is about the Coens, how they make me, like, empathize but not necessarily always feel bad for their main characters that they're <laughs> yeah. constantly bullying. Yeah, like William H. Macy in Fargo. Like, he's awful, but for some reason we, we're kind of with him and we want him to get away with some shit. <laughs> he's an awful piece of garbage. <laughs> I think that... I think that... Uh, what, what's Richard Kind's name in the movie? Arthur. Arthur. I think Arthur is simultaneously more pathetic than Larry and cooler than him. Um, you know, like, and, and that, that creates, uh, uh, a likable energy cause he's kind of like a sniveling little mess. That's like kind of leeching off Larry, um, and taking advantage of him and overstaying his welcome. But then you see shit like he created like a math system that made him invincible at gambling and got in trouble for it. He's giving mm -hmm. Danny weed money. Um, he doesn't even yeah. want the money he makes from gambling. He just loves the game so much, you know? Like, um, And so I think he has these, like, really cool aspects of him, whereas, like, I don't know that Larry does anything cool the whole movie. He's not even cool while he's smoking weed. He's, like, the lamest stoner ever. It's, he, and, yeah, when he smokes weed, it's the most present he is in the whole movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's just never present. He, he's just... Like his wife tells him, you're always so surprised, Larry. And I didn't really get that until watching it this time. Like, yeah, yeah. You're always so surprised because you're never aware of what's even going on around you. You're just like grading papers and I have to remind you five times to look up while we're talking about, hey, let's get a divorce. <laughs> just kind of, huh? Well, and I'll tell you, this is why I sympathize with Larry, even though... He's not an incredibly sympathetic character. Um, I sympathize with him because I was him. Um, basically, my 20s was all about, like, literally other than marrying Vanessa and starting my career as a therapist, my 20s was just about losing everything. Um, and much like our protagonist, Larry, I felt that there was very much an external locus of control. Um, I felt like a lot of horrible shit was just happening to me and my actions didn't really seem to do much to affect it either way. That's not mm -hmm. the way to look at the world, right? But like, that's the way it felt. Um, and again, I wanted what he wanted when my world was falling apart. Um, I just wanted someone to tell me 
I know this for sure. This is how you deal with this. Um, and it never happened, and I had to get okay with it. And I remember watching this movie for the first time still being in that phase and watching the storm roll in, and I was just like, God damn it. They're going to roll credits, aren't they? God damn it, Coen Brothers, don't you dare roll credits on me right now! Oh, son of a fucking bitch, they did it! Uh, you know? <laughs> I, I, I saw it coming, and I was like... I was sitting there thinking I was finally going to get the closure I wanted from this movie before I remembered who was fucking making it. <laughs> Famously, I don't know that there's a single Coen Brothers movie out there with any sense of closure to it. Um, and... Uh, I don't know, man. He's just, he's me from another walk of life. Me from another walk of life. Dude. Very nice. Well said. Uh, we're not roll rolling credits on you just yet, though. So. Thanks, buddy. More to come. Um, I had a little side note here. I think this movie exists in the same universe as Burn After Reading. <laughs> the, um, the law firm that Larry's wife hires is Tuckman Marsh, which is it's they bring it up in um burn after reading too and oh, shit. <laughs> reactions to both are the same like tuckman marsh oh boy that's a tough <laughs> that's a tough firm <laughs> so it, it's a law firm we never even see it's just a little callback is there are, that. are all the coen brothers movies is there a tarantino theory where they're all in the same universe for the coen brothers i doubt it um Maybe all their original ones. Nothing that I've heard or read. It'd be interesting to try to connect those dots. We First, I think we've nailed down Infinite Biff Theory. We've got to next do um, all Nicolas Cage movies in Vegas are in the same universe. Yes! I haven't worked on that one for a while. And I think Coen Brothers for non-adapted Coen Brothers scripts all being in the same universe could be a thing. Maybe there's some fruit to that. I'll it's even like, throw no Country for Old in there. I'll, I'll tie True Ooh. Grid in. I'll figure it out. Oh, that's based on... Is it a book? or It was definitely a movie. I don't know if the original... It's a book and a movie. A and while I don't read, um, I'm told that the Coen Brothers is much more adapted from the book than the John Wayne movie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, a movie... I've seen each of them once. I, I yeah. don't know why I've only seen the Coen's one once in theaters and then that was it yeah same well i watched I it on it. netflix but same only once i liked it thought it was great liked it yeah but it's um it's like you guys were saying with oh brother where art though uh i watched it a few weeks ago like i mentioned and boy does it hold up yeah get get around to watching it again I, okay I would say. okay what about burn after reading because i i don't think i've seen that since theaters I've seen it maybe three times, but it's been like, it must be like seven, eight years since I've watched it. Yeah, because I, I remember liking it, but not thinking it was like Coen Brothers tier. You know, like, I, it was really good, but I was like, ah, it's not Fargo, and it's not close. You know, <laughs> like, that, that was kind of my, my takeaway. But it is great George Clooney and probably one of the best Brad Pitts. Oh my god, Brad Pitt is awesome in that movie. And a top-tier Malkovich, also. <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone rules. It's just a wild ride. Um, yeah, are we kind of wrapping on A Serious Man, you think? I think so. I think so. I think we've discussed it pretty well. 
I would say so as well. Uh, last two notes I had are real quick hitters. I wanted to praise Fred Melamed as Cy Abelman. Very great performance. Yes. I love him. His just slow manner of speaking and just disregard for personal space. He's so funny. It's just like every time he talks to Larry, he has to like lean in and yeah. push him up against the wall. <laughs> oh, man. He's so funny. And then lastly, Rabbi Marshak. Rabbi Marshak looks like he's canonically older than Dumbledore. So. <laughs> uh, the first Dumbledore, right? Not the second one? No, oh, the canonical Dumbledore. Oh! Who I, think is, who I think is like 120 or something. If Vanessa were still here, she'd tell us. I was, I was expecting like a shout to come from the other side of the door. There. She's cooking now. She, she's on to bigger and better things than what we're talking ah, about. I bet that's going to be amazing. Whatever yeah. it is. Um, all right. Speaking of amazing things, our last time we're closing out the series, we are going to do our gimmick of the week this week. Denny, one last time, or at least until maybe we revisit again, what is your moment of mindfulness for a serious man? My moment of mindfulness is the storm rolling in in the final moments of the movie. Um, just getting to have that like sense of dread and doom right as the story is wrapping up and these characters are clearly about to begin a new story that we won't be joining them for. Um, that moment in between two stories is, is where... I'm just like, oh, you know, like where I can just appreciate mm -hmm. the cinematic experience. Um, it's one of my favorite endings to a movie, man. Um, so that's my moment of mindfulness is just them seeing those dark clouds billow in as their life is happening. And it looks like a goddamn tornado is about to come through it. What about oh, yeah. you? I really, I really like it. Um, I think I appreciate the ending more. Um, after seeing it for this time and after hearing your takes on it, I think I appreciate the ending a lot more. Cool. Um, my moment of mindfulness, just look at the parking lot. I love Junior Rabbi Scott. It's funny, man. Like, he's the only one, like, actually trying to give solid, like, applicable advice to Larry. And it doesn't really hold up under when he tries to take that advice into the real world. It doesn't yeah. really hold up so well. Nope, not at and, all. But but he tried. I, I I don't know. I really like that whole scene with him and his little office and his tiny window. And uh just look at that parking lot. <laughs> like he he thinks he really struck gold with that one. I don't know. It just makes me think that like it kind of reinforces the idea of like, you're not going to get all the answers and someone finally gives him an answer, something he can actually kind of tangibly use and it kind of falls apart. So maybe all the advice you give in life isn't always um, valid or doesn't always apply to you. Yeah. I dig that. Maybe, maybe it only works for Rabbi Scott. Not for, uh... <laughs> maybe he can just look at his little parking lot and be so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he is. He's going to continue to do so. Yeah, he seems like um, he lives a good life. One of the only characters in the movie. <laughs> and he just seems like one of the only genuinely happy guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's your favorite line from The Serious Man? 
So my favorite line is when I said I think about this movie at least once a week, it's what I think of. And I was really surprised it's so thrown away and just kind of snuck in there because it hit me like a ton of bricks the first time I watched the movie. Um, it's when he's talking to the second rabbi about the goy and the teeth and all that. Um, mm -hmm. And just real quick, it's like blink and you miss it, which really caught me off guard. I must have really needed to hear it the first time I watched it. The rabbi just goes... Like, it's, it's just so matter-of-fact and obvious. Well, come on, you can't know everything. Um, and I, I hear that voice in my head when I'm doing these, like, obsessive ruminatory loops on things. It's just like, hey, you can't know everything. So mm -hmm. set it down. You can't so know why did everything. You, so why did you even tell me the story? Well, you're the one that wanted to hear it. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> uh, so good! Isn't it so good? It is so good. Is that your favorite line? Yeah, that's my favorite line. What about okay, you? Okay. I'm having a tough time choosing. Actually, no, I'm not. I had one going into it, and I think it's going to be my runner-up, uh, just because it's so funny and said with such sincerity. This is not about whoopsie-doopsie. That was my runner-up! That was my runner-up! Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, her face after she's saying that, like, ah. God, Larry, this is not about that. Whoopsie, whoopsie doops. Like, like that's the clinical name for it, right? Like <laughs> she talks about it like she's using the proper terminology, <laughs> the scientific term. Um, <laughs> but my favorite line is from the dream where he's drawing on the chalkboard. I think you you quoted it basically already. Um, Even though you can't figure anything out, you will be responsible for it on the midterm. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect summary of what he's going through. Yes. Um, hell yeah. Hell fucking yeah. I think that yeah. was another, um, real quick, like another tie into um, the biblical side. Is, um, was it King David that had his, his dreams interpreted? Or he That's was a, a dream interpreter? Joseph, Joseph, Joseph the, interpreted dreams for. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Uh, well, he didn't bring the dreams up with anybody, though. But. Yeah, but his dream sequences were uh, quite conspicuous and definitely thematically significant. I hadn't thought about Joseph. Yeah. yeah it's probably just like another another little fun thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, I like those scenes a lot. Me too. F seeing him for the first time, a lot of them caught me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Danny. Let's wrap it up here. What was your Critiker score for this moon? I gave this movie a 46 out of 50. I think it is an all-time classic in the upper echelon of cinema. Um, and again, like, I'd only seen it once before, and it made this strong of an impression on me. Um, mm -hmm. I this I actually raised my score. I had it at a 44, but after our discussion, I just bumped it up a couple points. I was like, damn, this is a good, well-crafted movie. And it both rewards and punishes my obsession with story structure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I also raised my score after watching it this time. I had it at a 31, but as of now, it is sitting as, I believe, the fifth highest rated Coen Brothers movie, which sounds low. But it is a 35 out of 40, which is like just barely shy of a 9 out of 10. Hell yeah. But it's like very high eight. Um, I just can't put it above um, Big Lebowski, which I think is the next one up in the rankings. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you say it's like 
the fifth highest rated Coen Brothers movie, you've got to consider what it's up against when you say that. Being yeah. the fifth highest rated Coen Brothers movie is quite the honor, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not an insult at all. <laughs> and I don't really have, like, any big issues with the movie. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I really have any knocks on it. I think it's just kind of a matter of personal enjoyment. But I don't know. Maybe I should raise the score again later. Who knows? But yeah, I've got No Country, then Fargo, then Lewin Davis, then Big Lebowski, and then A Serious Man. Nice. We need to do Lewin Davis for the show one day. Yes, we do. I got the Blu-ray over here. Let's, right, let's, it's right there. We should do another uh, Music Not Musicals episode. Ooh. I like that. Yeah. That'd be a good theme to resurrect for a one-off. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, Damn. cool, man. We got to do... If you, thought, if you thought Larry had it bad, just wait. <laughs> till we get to Lewin <laughs> I'm remembering one scene that's really hard to watch. Um, <laughs> so we got to do our ultra gimmick. Of these four movies that we have watched, Captain mm -hmm. Fantastic, Paddington 2, Goodwill Hunting, and A Serious Man... What is the best movie for when you can't afford therapy, Greg? Um, I'm between two of them. Um, I think if you just need something as a temporary, like, feel good, you're just like, I'm just dealing with a lot. I need something to kind of, like, make me see the good in life. Put on Paddington 2. If... You want to have serious thought about um, your perspective on life and all the challenges it brings. I think it's a serious man. If you want to, like, I guess I'll go with the serious man. Like, if you want to, like, get the most out of uh, a movie instead of going to therapy, I guess. Like, we're not actually saying this is a good replacement, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. kind of the idea of the theme. I think a serious man is um the winner for me yeah i've got to pick a serious man too um the sequel no i've got to pick a serious man as well um <laughs> it's it's the only movie that we covered that actually really helped me a lot when i couldn't afford therapy so by default that's my pick it's also my favorite of the movies we covered and as someone who totally fucked up a pick for uh the theme that they were very passionate about. I'm glad that my redemption pick was our mutually agreed upon winner. That makes me feel like yes. maybe there's still hope for old Denny. <laughs> I think so. And I, I will say before we head out here that I realized I gave Paddington 2 and A Serious Man the same score. So I'm bumping A Serious Man up to a 36. <laughs> Beautiful. As... We know how you are with bears, Greg. I love them. I love them. So that makes it a 9 out of 10 for me. Nice! Um, there we go. It's up there. It's still below Big Lebowski, or it's tied. I'm not sure. But, yeah, there we go. We're done. All We're right, done. Denny, for the first time in a long time, I can ask, what are we doing next week? Starting um, a new theme. Yeah, we're starting a new theme. Did we decide which one it is? Yes. Uh, then I'm going to ask you, well, I, what I, are we I, doing I decide. next week? <laughs> I think I think I said when we did our poll a few weeks ago of like whatever wins we're doing this one second. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you can't afford therapy, won our poll, and the option that I was 
um, I, I think Danny and I mutually agreed would be the second one if it didn't win. It's going to be movies for win. You're worried about robots. Yes. I, I didn't so, know if we were doing that or Korean cinema, so I'm I'm pumped. I wanted robots. Yeah, I wanted robots too. We'll probably we'll have uh worried about robots by week three of that will be our Oscar episode, and then we'll finish up the robots after that. And then we might start the Korean cinema theme after that. So. I think that should be the one after. I mean, really the question for that theme is is it going to be just Bong Joon-ho, or are we going to spice it up? Nope. <laughs> my, my, my pick is not Bong Joon-ho. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, More on that later. Cool, man. So, so um, yeah, what movie should we do first? Because we both have our picks for the robots theme, when you're worried about robots. Yeah. Not robots are cool, but you should be scared of them. What well, do you got? We just we just did my pick, so why don't we go with your pick next week? All right, folks, that means next week we are going to be discussing Ex Machina. Yeah! That's that's a robot. You, uh, just just watch it. No, no spoilies. That's going to be a <laughs> please, doozy. Please watch it. It's on HBO Max. Watch doozy it before you episode. listen to it. It's, it's it's so good. It's so, it's so fucking cool. <laughs> oh, what a picture. More on that next week, though. It's been on my watch list for a while. I was like, maybe we'll get around to watching it. And then now I have, I'm going to force myself to rewatch it. I'm excited. I'm stoked. I like that movie a lot. That's one I've uh, only seen once as well. So I'm excited for a rewatch. Mm. Made quite the impression on me, mind you, but only seen once. Yeah, I think this is my third viewing of it, but I've been dying for a third viewing of it. <laughs> um, all right, Denny. One last thing I'm dying for. I've poured out my feelings. I've learned how to be more mindful and present in my life. I'm sorting out my issues. The only thing that uh, is just nagging at the back of my brain is, how does that catchphrase make you feel? For Greg Work, the legwork Johnson, I'm Denny the Talent Taylor, and this has been Movies for When. We already told you when, but you know what we didn't tell you? What's my Cage again! I'm a serious man, see my badge? <laughs>